at the end of the day, much like cybersecurity, by the way, it's always a balance between um, being 100% secure, for example, taking your phone and putting it in a bucket of water. In that point, it's secure, right? It's completely secure, but it's also not usable. So there's this right. balance between security and usability. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Today, I'm joined by one of the cybersecurity leaders of the world. Meet Omri Lavi, the co-founder and CEO of Orchestra Group. Omri is a serial entrepreneur and an angel investor. He co-founded NSO Group and is the co-founder and CEO of Orchestra Group, a holistic cybersecurity platform for proactive cyber defense. Omri founded several technology companies in various fields, specializing in enterprise SW, telecom, cyber intelligence, and cybersecurity. He is also the co-founder at Founders Group, a private investment firm which invests in early-stage startups. He is an active philanthropist, continuously supporting numerous nonprofits in education, cancer, wellness, elderly, and childcare. Omri Lavi, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders all the way from New Jersey. How are you? I am well. How are you? I, I'm doing great. I've heard your name uh, way too many times uh, over, the, <laughs> over the last few years. Uh, it is no secret that you are uh, one of the founders of NSO Group, which has been a, a source in the media uh, that, that a lot of people have been, have been talking about. And from my background in, in 8200, obviously a fascinating aspect of the cybersecurity space. You founded multiple companies, most recently now co-founded uh, Orchestra Group and, and working with, with big companies to, to figure out how, how the hell do you even start thinking about cybersecurity in, in a greater spectrum, and uh, and and you're gonna tell, you're gonna say the you know what your co-founder calls it in a second, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. But Omri, what I'd love to spend these twenty minutes is going a little bit over your journey, the different companies you founded, the milestones, your your understanding of the market and leadership and innovation through that, and then talking a little bit more broadly about orchestra and how you're dealing with cybersecurity in the world. And I've spoken enough, Omri. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So happy to. So first of all, uh, thanks for having me over. Uh, it's uh, hopefully going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm, as you said, I'm Amir Lavi. I'm 40 years old. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I founded probably over half a dozen different companies, and I invested in, in dozens more uh, over the last uh, 15 years of, of my career. Um I think I'm probably uh, most known for uh, my involvement and being the co-founder of NSO Group, who is uh, one of the largest cyber intelligence companies in the world today. Uh, I still hold uh, a position of director in that company. Uh, but I also uh, founded uh, Founders Group together with uh, some of my partners, um, who uh, who is a small investment group. Uh, we've done over 40 different investments in the last decade, uh, all from our own capital. Uh, we don't uh, deploy fund capital. It's all, it's all funded by us and the, uh, and the amazing partners around it. Um, all of our investments were in tech, obviously. Uh, I would say the majority are in cybersecurity and cyber intelligence, uh, which is where we feel uh, most at home, despite the fact that none of us is from 8200. 
so you know, <laughs> wow. it's the it's That's the really anomaly. Cool. Yes, yes, it kind of proves the theory. You don't have to be from eighty two hundred uh, or with a degree in computer science to uh, to make it in uh, in tech. Um, and I so we're the, gonna start there, Amri, because you yeah, you were sure. a combat soldier. And how do you find yourself being? How do you find yourself being one of the top cybersecurity experts in the world? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I, I wouldn't go. It doesn't that make far. sense to me. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, I also wouldn't go that far. I don't know if I'm the one of the top cybersecurity experts in the world, but I I know my way around. Leading it. one of the biggest changes and one of the biggest impacts through your organization. So as, as far as I'm concerned, the statement holds. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of very intelligent, capable people in Israel and everywhere in the world. And people are sometimes um, lack uh, the ability to dare. Uh, me and Shalev, when we founded uh, NSO, uh, despite everybody telling us that it's completely crazy, um, despite not having the right background, not having the right connections, um, we thought there was a good opportunity. It actually started from a different company that we founded called Communitake that's still around. Um, Communitake initially in its early days did uh, the equivalent of remote desktop for mobile environments. Uh, so basically the ability to remotely connect to a mobile device and repair it. And it's a solution that was sold to um, uh, telcos, uh, mobile operators, uh, to have the ability to, let's say, have a higher efficiency solution to repair devices remotely because their service centers are probably their, their heaviest point of, uh, of um, expenditures. Most of the organization is people supporting people who have mobile devices. And we thought if we can remotely connect to a device and fix it uh, without having you come to a center or without even talking to a representative that long, uh, it would have been very effective. We actually done so. We were one of the first companies in the world to have that solution. And, um, it was deployed wow. uh, in several places, but um, there was a, uh, one incident where me and Shalev were in uh, some sort of convention, and we were standing in the booth like a million other startups um, people do, and uh, we were approached by a certain individual from a certain organization, and he said, uh, wow, this, uh, this solution is really cool. Um, so let me get this straight. You ask for permission as the operator, and you come into the phone, and and you fix it. And, and we said, yes, of course. And we started talking about how much we protect privacy. So the operator can't see your photographs or your contacts. And we just give him specific access to the operating system. And, he's, and at some point, we just see that he's kind of glaring, glaring off. And I asked him, so uh, what, what, what is it that's interesting for you? And he says, well, I was wondering if you can do the opposite of all that. <laughs> and uh, and me and Shalev kind of paused for a second. And we said, what, what do you mean? He says, well, I was wondering if, if you guys can take this solution and basically get into a device without asking for permission. And if you think you'll be able to gain all the information from the device. And being hungry startup people that we are, we said, of course, yeah, if, if it's a customer, we'll do whatever is required. Uh, had zero <laughs> idea on how to do it and if it's even possible. And wow. uh, we went, uh, I remember talking to our CTO who looked at us and says, are you crazy? There, there's no way we can do this. This is impossible. Uh, there's so many things that are not even in the, in the right place to have this ability. Uh, this will require a completely different set of people, a completely different set of, of, of development software tools. 
and we didn't give up. We felt like there's something there because, um, you know, we started asking around and there was nothing of that sort. And we said, well, if this organization needs it, I'm sure there's other organizations that might need it. And we started talking to people from the security space and they all said, yeah, this is considered the holy grail of, uh, of intelligence gathering. Um, in fact, at the time, um, back in the old days of, of, of intelligence gathering, it was pretty simple. People used their phone just to make calls and send SMS text messages. So if you had a hook into the operator, which 99.9% of operators provide to intelligence and uh, law enforcement agencies, then you were, you were pretty, you had all the information you needed. You had pretty much everything you need. Um, if you had a suspect that was on the phone, you can just ask the operator to listen in or to get the recordings. And that was that. But when smartphones became smart, and it, it's basically a little computer that has end-to-end -end encryption that is using the data stream and not the voice stream to communicate. We all talk through digital means today over the internet, right? Voice over IP and not voice over to the voice channel. Um, so there was this global phenomena of what they consider blind devices, meaning devices that communicate all the time and agencies with their regular connection to the operator had no idea what was going on. So we figured, okay, if we can actually solve this and help police forces or intel agencies gain this information, this would be significant. So we didn't give up. We went to our board. And it, all I remember is that it was an extremely emotional board. Um, we were shouted at and being the pushy entrepreneurs we are, we were shouting back. We said, you guys are crazy. We have to do this. We wanted to be a division within Communitake. And the board uh, completely refused. They said, there's no way that we're defocusing the company. We have to stay on track. And if you guys want to do this, this has to be in a different company. So we said, okay. And wow. uh, we left the company and founded NSO Group. And um, we got our first couple engineers that, of course, were former 8200, uh, who, by the way, it wasn't easy at the time. Uh, we interviewed a lot of former engineers from 8200, and they all said, you guys are crazy. This is impossible. This is not something that can happen. Um, but we were adamant and uh, we pushed and pushed and found people who believed in our vision. And we started to build uh, this solution, which um, turned into the basis of NSO, which, of course, today it's much broader. And there's a slew of products and services that we provide. But uh, that was how it started. So And so in a, a more personal question ar around this area, um, you know, you're when you're starting this out, and you're creating NSO Group, and, and you're, you're dealing with a new, a new type of activity that you know, the world has never even considered in the last millions of years that this planet has existed, because you know, the connectivity just wasn't there. It just wasn't even able to be a question. Right. And one of the things that I, that, you know, that I saw in the, in the previous interview, you're also mentioning that you know, NSO Group operates you know, with the law, it's, it's, you know, it's, everything's clean, and, and you know, everything's transparent to the extent that everything's, everything, everything that you're doing is okay. Yet at the end, and you're help working with governments and intelligence, is there a part of you that asks some difficult questions? As in, you know, we're going to be developing technology that somebody else is going to be using, and it is going, you know, against what a lot of other companies are trying to defend. Is there even a part of you that, that asks these questions or is conflicted about that? And, and I'm asking as a former, you know, 8200 engineer, and, and I'm 
and with the context that I know that NSO Group, with what you said, is doing everything with the law. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Um, there's not a lot I can disclose, but I can tell you that anyone who's worked at NSO or is currently working in NSO and is exposed to the immense scrutiny and regulation that NSO is exposed to, uh, sleeps very well at night, company included. Um, do we have, look, at the end of the day, much like cybersecurity, by the way, it's always a balance between um, being 100% secure, for example, taking your phone and putting it in a bucket of water. In that point, it's secure, right? It's completely secure, but it's also not usable. So there's this right. balance between security and usability. You can always turn, come to an organization and say, hey, let me make you 100% secure. Close all the communications. There you go. Full security. But it's not usable. So the, th the same thing goes for uh, cyber intelligence. It's exactly the same. Do, do we have the ability to have control over whatever governments is using this for? No, we, we, we don't. Much like um, other manufacturers of, of, of anything. Does a kitchen knife manufacturer have control if you're going to use that uh, knife to make a uh, uh, salad or to hurt somebody with? There's no control once we sell that product. We do everything in our powers and more. I think NSO is probably the most regulated company, not only in this industry, but across several industries. If you go to banking or to other industries that have heavy regulation, and I think NSO is even more heavily regulated than them. Uh, so we do everything within our power to prevent and make sure that this technology is not misused. Um, of course, being this stealthy type of industry, we cannot always disclose what we do and how we do it. But this is why we are selling to governments only, and we've done so since inception. We have never sold to anyone who is not a formal government that was approved by the Ministry of Defense and other agencies throughout the world. The United States one, uh, Department of Defense, the European Export Control Committee. Um, we're taking our, the regulation that is... Uh, let's say, put on our shoulders and taking it even further by having our own regulatory uh, leaps and bounds and committees and people involved that try and uh, prevent as much as possible um, misuse of this technology. But I just want to add that nothing will ever be 100%. Will governments misuse? Sometimes. But if you know the amounts of amazing things that this technology has achieved, the countless right. lives that it saved, the terrorist attacks yes. that were prevented, the criminal organizations that were put down after decades of futility. futility I mean, it's all a matter of balance. Is it perfect? It'll never be perfect. But are we doing our best efforts? 1000%. Omri, I think that that is the key. And I remember that I, you know, watching a lot of the articles and a lot of the news and, and the, the, you know, the, the arguments around it, I kept thinking to myself, it's more complicated than what people are describing. And of course, exactly. at the end, there's going to be anomalies and edge cases. But if, but the problem is that, you know, all the lives being saved and the terrorist organizations that are being yes. stopped, that those are not being disclosed on the media. It's not necessarily as sexy and it's not, and, and, you know, for security reasons, you're not disclosing that. And, and so I think that, you know, that's exactly. Exactly, I think the perspective that I also wanted to share that, you know, at the end, you know, 
from just thinking of, of, of the goodness that this, being, that this technology is being used for, I, th I think that's amazing. And now, Omri, now you're on the different end of the spectrum. So right. now you're a co-founder of Orchestra Group, and you're working with companies to uh, prevent cybersecurity <laughs> attacks and provide, and provide these solutions. And so, uh, you know, thank you for sharing you know, your perspective on the NSO Group, and I think that's an important uh, conversation to have, and just understanding the complexity and the side that is not being heard uh, very frequently. And, and, of course. Uh, and, and I have no, and, and you know, saying everything that you said, I think that's just remarkable. Uh, tell me a little bit about, or about Orchestra Group in the context of the greater vision of what is happening in the cyber world today. So Orchestra Group was actually the birth child of our work in Founders Group. So uh, when we started investing in cybersecurity, much like a lot of other people who think they know, uh, we thought that, oh, yeah, we know cyber. We're going to make good investments and it's going to be great. Uh, and we invested in, in several companies uh, that we still believe are fantastic. Um, but we saw that there is a recurring kind of pattern that these companies are struggling. It doesn't matter how good the technology is. It doesn't matter how amazing the team is. Um, there's a problem in the market space. And we felt that just by building another tech solution, another tech company and kind of shoving it into the market, we're not really going to do anything different. And we spent a lot of time, we spent uh, on orchestra, I'd say over two years in research uh, and trying to understand, wow. yes, uh, before even opening the company. Um, we tried to understand where the problems lie. We spoke to countless uh, CISOs, chief you know, information security officers of companies from huge, like uh, the top five banks in the world to small and, and, and minuscule companies. And the reality was that there's a huge duality in the market that has to be addressed. If you're a, a very well-financed and capable organization, say uh, one of the biggest banks in the world, then you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in cybersecurity and you have a team of thousands of people just dealing with this day in and day out. And what you do is you buy everything under the sun. So these companies have uh, what we call a security stack of anything between 70 and 150 different vendors, which anyone from wow. any industry will tell you it's, it's completely crazy. There is no way that these 70 to 150 solutions work in harmony. There, there's just no way. In fact, um, some of the testimonials we got from these CISOs were statistics like for 40% of the stack, we don't even know if it's on or off, let alone if it's working. Okay, but they're so worried from what they call the Jenga effect. So if I pull one of these solutions out of the stack, they're worried the whole thing is going to collapse because everything is kind of put one on top of the other. So they are in a position where they don't even know if some of their solutions are switched on or off, but they just don't want to touch it because they've been there for 10 years or five years or 20 years. And let's just leave it in there and hope for the best. And we can just keep on adding. And that's, that's what we call rich people problem. If you're a small company, then you're in a completely different side of the spectrum. You're basically still in 1996. You're still just sticking your head in the sand saying, I'm going to be underserved. I'm going to take my chances. And hopefully I won't get hit. I have my um, antivirus firewall and some NAC, maybe a, a network access control system. And that's, that's about it. But the threat landscape is constantly changing. And what we're seeing is a massive increase in cyber attacks from small ones like ransomware to more complicated and serious ones like solar winds. 
And the reality is that nobody can afford to stick his hand, his head in the sand anymore. Um, and everyone on all sides of the spectrum are saying, you know, we need something that gives us a more strategic view. We can't just keep adding these tiny 20 people company solution out of brilliant Israel and just adding them on to our stack. That's, that's not a, a viable solution. And that's what Orchestra was set out to change. And so what I'm hearing, the, the clear distinction here is the idea of strategy. On one hand, you can you know, aim to go and bring in these 70 vendors and really hope for the best without really knowing what each one is doing. But hopefully you sleep well at night knowing that there is these 70 startups that are, uh, that, that are trying to solve these niche problems. Uh, but there is no strategic thinking of, okay, are, how do we get a grasp and a handle of what's happening here, right? Right. So that's what Orchestra was set out to do. We said, let's try and focus on an area that we find most hacks come from, which is what we consider left of bank, meaning the, the side before your company gets attacked. And on left of bank, it's, it's a lot about visibility and control, meaning I, learning what you actually have in your network and controlling it the right way. So we started looking for solutions that already exist that were already developed and try and putting them together truly not just on a graphic user interface uh, level but truly at the lowest level of code and make them truly work together not just appear that they work together which was um, quite a challenge our CTO who's completely brilliant Dr. Uh, Jacob Yukelson he ran uh, IBM's uh, research center in Ithaca New York where Watson came from Uh, absolutely brilliant wow. guy had multiple exits in in, in enterprise software um, he said uh, we, we wanted to draw him in to, to join us as a co-founder and I've known Jacob for for over a decade and he said this is very interesting this is something that's truly interesting but one small challenge we have to own these companies <laughs> and I was like well what do you mean because we thought we could just cooperate or or you know have some sort of, of SDK solution he said no 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 if you really want to kind of weave this code together from all these different vendors and you really want it to work, you need to have access to the IP. So it's either we buy them or we find companies that are happy to share their IP, which obviously is not very common. Um, so we started looking at this problem, not just as tech people, this kind of, it's funny because it relates to the first thing we talked about, not just being business people who come from a business environment, from investments, from financials, from a variety of areas who are not just tech, The solution to this problem, that the way we see it, wasn't just a tech solution, it was a business solution. Oh, so hey, need... just uh, one second. Uh, do me a favor and let's go back a few sentences before just so that the editing, uh, just the editing works out. I, I was saying uh, we need direct access to the IP, to the code of, of those companies to actually enable them uh, to work together. Um, I, I, I was saying that it was... Uh, A little funny because we started talking about not being from 8200 and how does that uh, entail and this is this is a great example because uh, none of the founders of NSO are former 8200 uh, and the the solution is is not just a tech solution it's not just let's build the most sophisticated tech we can do or, or find it's 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 also a business solution so the way we did the math was, There were, at the time we founded the company, there were 1,500 funded cybersecurity companies in Israel and the West Coast wow. alone, which is, which is absolutely crazy. And if you wow. know VC statistics, 
that would mean that there's going to be, I'm sorry to say, about 1,450 uh, bankruptcies within three years. Now, this is not because these guys are not smart. This is not because these guys are not capable or these companies are, are, are nonsense. The, this is just because the, the, the market space can't absorb all these small niche solutions. So we said, if we have the right funding, we can go out and buy ready-made technologies that are already distressed because they can't. They can't compete with companies who are already there. Uh, like I said, part of the market is overhydrated with solution and the other one is completely dehydrated. Um, so the competition is fierce. Uh, selling to tiny organizations doesn't really get the, get the results that you want because you're selling to 50 customers, each one of them giving you $5,000 a year. That's not really getting you anywhere. And to sell to, I don't know, JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs is incredibly difficult uh, and expensive. So that gap in the market, which doesn't derive from any training in 8200, but purely from business uh, understanding and financials, we realized that we can buy great tech solutions who happen to have a challenge in their growth uh, development and put them all together. And that's what we started to do. We, we uh, started acquiring smaller companies uh, that had a good uh, tech solution. We started weaving them together and building uh, our own, um, let's say, single pane, you know, unified uh, cockpit, you know, fine. You, you can, you can choose your superlative. Um, but basically this centralized piece that actually turns all these companies or their solutions to sensors. So they're, they're instead of being the whole company, they're just a tentacle in a much larger, more um, sophisticated creature, which is the orchestra platform, which we call yeah, Harmony. I'm gonna, I, I love that. Uh, and I'm going to circle back now. You circled back to the 8200. I'm going to circle back to my initial comment of being a cybersecurity expert. And one of the things that I've been gaining a lot of inspiration in this show is, is understanding really what, what it means to be an expert and a game changer. And uh, I think that going back, what I, what I meant to say is not necessarily that you're the most knowledgeable in the, in the <laughs> zeros and ones and uh, you know, you know assembly not. better than anybody, but, it's the, but at the end, it's, it's whoever makes the biggest game-changing moves and, and whoever is really disruptive the markets and, and is really providing the most value. And as far as I'm concerned, that is the expert in my eyes. And, and Omri, I, I really appreciate you coming here. I know how busy you are and, and I just loved this conversation. I have three short questions uh, before I let you go to, to running a, a huge company. Uh, and uh, we'll start off going back to your childhood. When you were a kid, what fascinated you? What, what really you know, got your blood going, whether it's a subject in school or a passion hobby? I'll, I'll be honest, it's uh, atypical maybe but to me, but it's very difficult to other people. But computers and machines, uh, I remember completely disassembling and reassembling uh, TVs and radios. And at some point when I was slightly older, computers, my first computer, my second, third, fourth. I remember my parents being completely uh, nervous and worried when they would buy me a computer from the store, and the first thing they do is look at me, just completely disassemble it all over the carpet, and then try and reassemble it back and make it work better uh, and fit my, my, my actual needs. So I, I remember that very distinctively. Amazing. And some sort of inspiration along your way, whether it's a person or, or something that inspired you throughout your journey. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, inspiration to me always comes from people uh, and what they do. But I think uh, 
maybe somebody who was with me for the longest time is, is my wife. Um, that despite not being, um, she, ironically, she is from 8200, <laughs> uh, but uh, from, the, from, from another part of it. Um, but I think my, my wife was uh, kind of a, uh, a moral compass and a guide. Um, she has been alongside me for almost my entire career. And no matter how hard things can get, and at the end of the day, when you make, you know, when you do business, it's, it's with people. And um, there's, there's really an importance to having somebody alongside with you to always kind of provide another perspective to keep you calm and composed because people can, you know, can be amazing and can be very difficult to handle. And she has been my backbone. She has been uh, part of uh, the reason that we uh, arrived to where we are today. Amazing. And what are three words you would use to describe yourself? <laughs> the easiest question of them all, of course. Yes, I, I don't know. This, um, I, I remember these kinds of questions from job interviews that I, I didn't do for about 20 odd years. Uh, so, <laughs> excuse me if I'm a little rusty. Uh, three words that describe me. When you uh, think I, of Omri Lavi, what, what comes to mind? I would say I'm, uh, I'm creative. Um, I think it's something that's very descriptive of me. I, um, I really like to try and look at things a different way. Um, that's something that's, I think, very synonymous to me. Uh, demanding. Um, so if I'm set to do something uh, and the people around me are grouping, uh, I want things done a certain way and it sounds a little bad but it's it's i think it's kind of a quality you need to have to survive as an entrepreneur and i would say curious um since childhood till today it's just changed the scale but the desire to learn new things kind of overcomes every other Thing. So if you're worried about starting your own company because it's in a field that you were never a part of, the fact that I'm curious about it is what pushes me forward to, to go and try and do it, even if it looks hopeless, even if it looks uh, completely out of character. But I, I, I just really want to know. I want to I be involved and see what I can do with it. And uh, that's the driving force, I think, behind most successful entrepreneurs that I know. Thank you very, very much. This was so much fun and, and uh, I gained so much inspiration and knowledge. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. 